Philippians chapter 4. Sweet hour of prayer that takes me from a world of care and leads me to my Father's throne. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in those times of care or worry or trouble, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the singing of hymns and psalms, the reading of Scripture and prayer. Lord, we pray now that, Father, you'd settle down our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have ears to hear this morning. For, Lord, the subject of which Paul speaks is one of great urgency, especially as we live in a world full of care. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified, Lord, in revealing to us this morning your divine remedy against anxiety and worry. Help us, dear God, that we might begin to know something of that peace of God that passes all understanding, that keeps our hearts and our minds in a world which is often overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and care and trouble. Lord, do a mighty work of grace in our hearts this morning, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Be not, or be careful, do not worry, be over-anxious, be careful for nothing. At first glance, this divine exhortation by the Apostle Paul appears to be an utter impossibility. For how could one ever hope of being free from all worry and anxiety in this present life? Especially in this fallen world where there are so many things and circumstances which move us to worry and care seems to be an impossible request or command. Just think about it this morning for yourself. Where is the man, woman, or child, be they sinner or saint, who can truly say with all their hearts, we are free from all worries and cares in this present life? If you honestly answer that question, even concerning yourself, you must humbly confess that you are not totally free from all worry and care. But sometimes it accompanies you, sometimes every day of the week. Then what is the meaning of Paul's exhortation? Over the years of being a Christian, I've heard many sermons and read many commentaries on this passage of Scripture. The one that has least 
comforted me is when one tells me, well, it's a commandment, and so you have to obey. Uh, have you ever tried to obey your emotions or command your emotions? So everything in God's Word is in some sense a command. I think we miss the meaning of Paul's exhortation when we just simplify it as being a command. Even Paul doesn't do that in our text. Listen to his wording. Be careful for nothing but in all things or in everything by prayer. Even the greatest saints have humbly confessed to their struggles against this spirit of anxiety and worry. As we read last week in Psalm 42, the psalmist cried, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Worry, care, anxiety. Hope thou in God. He gives a remedy, but he humbly confesses that his soul was cast down and that his soul was disquieted. He turns to God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He gives a remedy for that, yet he humbly confesses that it's still he still struggled against worry and care. David said in Psalm 56, as we read also last week, what time I am afraid. I will trust in thee. He gives also a remedy, trusting in God, but he also humbly confesses he struggled with fear. In anxiety. What time I am afraid. Even our Lord Himself would encourage and exhort us against troubled and fearful hearts in John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why did He say that? Because those things threaten us. So it's a reality that we are always surrounded by something or some circumstance that might cause us worry or anxiety to say that we can in this life be totally free from that would deny Scripture. True believers are not immune nor are we spared from this threat of anxiety and worry. And I'll admit, such worry and anxiety is a threat to our spiritual well-being and happiness as well as to God's glory. It still doesn't mean we're not threatened by it. Even in our utmost and pious duties to God, are we threatened by such troubled and careful hearts? Look over in Luke chapter 10. I want us to humbly consider this exhortation before we look at its remedy, because I fear a lot of people misunderstand this passage of Scripture. And I believe at the same time, which we'll look in a moment, I believe at the same time, Satan uses the Scripture sometimes against us to make us feel guilty that we worry. What's a sin to worry? Well, in reality it is. There's a lot of things we do that is a sin. 
But if we don't understand what Paul is exhorting us to and the remedy against it, we're going to be under guilt for a long time. Beware of Satan's devices and those who rest the Word of God. We are threatened with worry and anxiety even as Christians. We need to humbly acknowledge that as a threat. Look over in Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, troubled, worried, anxious, much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now think about that. She's in service for Christ. She's trying to serve Christ, and yet she's careful and troubled about many things. How many Christians are there that serve God out of troubled hearts? They're always troubled about if their service is right, if their, if their duties are right, if they're doing right. They're troubled and cumbered about with a lot of worries and troubles about even how they serve Christ. So tell me that we're not threatened by worry and care as believers, even in our most pious duties. But one thing is needful, verse 42, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What good part was that? Well, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. <laughs> so what's the remedy? Sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. Amen? Ever since the beginning of time when Satan first tempted our first parents to question God's word, he continues to tempt us to question or doubt God's Word, even corrupting it. Satan will even use Scripture. Listen to me. He tried it against Christ. What makes you think he won't try it against us? He rested it. He corrupted it. But still, what makes you think he won't tempt us by corrupting it before our eyes as well? So, if Satan can get us to believe that, hey, this Scripture is talking about being free from all worry and care, and we know that's not going to happen because it hasn't, and it won't. How many years have you been saved? Have you been freed from worry and care? Well, I guess you've been sinning all these years. Then Satan holds us under guilt all the time. Why are you not free of worry and guilt or, or, or worry and care? Why aren't you free of all of this? Paul said, be careful for nothing. You're sinning against God. And so Satan would rest the Scriptures to make us believe something it's not saying. Why am I saying this? I'm trying saying this because there's a lot of misunderstanding about Paul's exhortation here. Paul is not talking about total deliverance or freedom in this present life from worry and anxiety. He's talking about the remedy against it. Because if you can tell me this last week you spent one day without worrying about something, more than likely you're not being truthful with yourself. We worry about the smallest things in life sometimes, our jobs, our house, our, the way we're living, our lifestyles, maybe our children's health, maybe our job. Maybe do we have enough to feed our children, to feed our animals? Do we have enough to sustain our life? Are we doing everything right? We're concerned about people and things and all these things. It's constantly there.
What then is the meaning of Paul's exhortation to be careful for nothing? I wanted to take a few minutes to at least let us all humbly confess that we are threatened by worry and anxiety. Paul's not saying, I'm giving you a solution to be totally free in this life. How could we? This life is full of worry. Think about even the Christians. In this world you shall have much tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The world, all men shall hate you for my sake, and so forth. Carry your cross, deny yourself. Those things are privileges and honor, but I'm telling you, beloved, there's all sorts of things and circumstances in this life that cause our hearts to fear. Paul's not talking about freedom from fear in this present life or anxiety and worry in this present life. That's not what his exhortation is. Like I said, it doesn't mean to be totally free from worry and care in this present life, but I believe it means something more than merely deliverance from worry and care. And listen to me, because if you understand anything about Scripture when it talks about, especially Romans chapter 8, when it's talking about persecution, trials, and fires, it says in all the, in, not out of these, in all these things we are more than conquerors. It's triumphing in such things that gives God the greatest glory. Are you listening to me? It's triumphing in all these things. Paul is giving us something greater than deliverance from worry. Something more amazing and more glorifying to God. Namely, the overcoming and conquering of every care or worry that threatens us in this present life by God giving us a peace of heart and mind in the midst of that worry and anxiety. Let's read these verses again, Philippians chapter 4. I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 4. Listen to these words again after I've said that. Be careful for nothing, verse 6. But, now listen to the wording, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Okay? And when we do that, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep a militant term, give you a refuge, a fortress, keep your hearts and minds, keep our hearts and minds from what? From the threatenings of worry and anxiety. They keep our hearts and minds in the midst of that through Christ Jesus. That is a greater glory than being delivered from it. It's being able to have that peace of God which keeps our hearts and minds in the midst of that. In the midst of those threatened of worry and care and anxiety. Again, in these words of the Apostle Paul, he's not declaring a complete freedom from or a doing away of this threat in this present life, but the divine remedy against it which will enable the true believer by God's grace to possess the peace of God which alone can keep our hearts and our minds in it. And that through Christ Jesus. Again, I refer your thoughts back to Romans chapter 8. When he's talking about all the tribulations and trials, he said, in these things we are more than conquerors. He doesn't speak of deliverance from those things either. He said, God gives us victory. God gives us, allows us to be conquerors in these things, in these things. And so it is with this worry and anxiety which Paul exhorts us against. He said, this is what you need to do. You don't look for deliverance. You look for peace of heart and mind by the peace of God 
It keeps your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is more glorifying to God. When in all reality, you should be, like I said last week, beating your head against the wall, worried to where you're biting your fingernails down to your very skin. Instead of that, you have this peace of God, which passes all understanding, that keeps your mind from going berserk and your heart from being filled with fear and anxiety. That is a great and glorious thing. And that is what God gives God more glory than God simply delivering us from it all. In the midst of it. It's something like the illustration of Christ on the stormy sea when he calls the stormy sea to silence to calm. There's peace within my soul. That peace of God, that peace of God in the midst of worry and anxiety. Oh, that's what the true believer rejoices in. And that's what gives God greater glory. It's that peace of God which passes all understanding and that keeps our hearts and minds in the threat of worrying and care that Paul would exhort us to seek. That's what Paul's exhorting us to seek. Not deliverance, but seek the peace of God which passes all understanding. Now follow me because I want to show you something new about prayer. I, I, when I was studying this passage of this last week, I, I felt like kicking myself in the head. Um, you never come to an end of learning something about God. And I just, I felt so ignorant concerning this passage of Scripture as though, Lord, I've been saved for so long and I've never seen it in this light before. And I want, I want to show you that this morning. I hope you stay with me a little bit. Maybe you already know it. If you do, praise God, I'm a little slow. But I want to show you something about this excerpt, this beginning of this remedy against anxiety and fear in these words that Paul says, but in everything by prayer. Isn't that amazing? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, at all times, everywhere, in every situation, without ceasing, pray. Again, we have the excellency and significance of prayer concerning the matters of our hearts and our minds. And it's amazing when you think about that, what place prayer plays in Scripture concerning our hearts and minds as believers. Let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, I'll just read it. Our Lord says, men ought always to pray, and what? Not to faint. Now again, like in our text, our Lord said men ought always, we always concentrate on praying. Men ought to always pray and not faint. Pray and you won't faint. Well, you're, you're overlooking that one little word which is greatly significant. Always. Men ought always. He didn't say men ought to pray. Men ought always, at all times, <laughs> continually, unceasing, pray, pray, pray. Here in our text, in all things or in everything, at all times, Every place, everywhere, unconditionally, unceasingly. Are you noticing the habit of prayer Paul is, is, is exhorting us to in our text this morning? It's the manner of praying into which Paul in Scripture would exhort us to pray, but in everything by prayer. He doesn't merely exhort us to pray, 
But, like in Luke, he says, in everything by prayer, always, constantly, continually, in everything by prayer. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I just want to kind of give you a, an idea of which direction I'm going to. I'm going in, in the direction Paul leads us in. Though there must always be set times for prayer. Listen to me. We, we said every other Saturday is prayer meeting. We pray, hopefully, when we get up. We pray when we go to bed. We pray during our meals. There are set times that we pray. David even declared, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice, Psalm fifty-five seventeen. Yet in our text, concerning the threat of worrying and anxiety, listen to me, Paul would declare that in everything, always, continually, pray. What am I saying? Paul, as well as our Lord in Luke chapter 18, meant always to pray. Paul is simply saying Christians, and listen to me, Christians should always be in a continual, habitual habit of praying. Listen to me, of praying continually, always. I got to looking about this last week, and I said, Lord, you know, for years... You know, I, under, I, I thought I understood the importance of prayer, but there was just, I, when I thought of prayer, I thought of set times, okay? Uh, now it's time for me. I'm not working right now. i got time. I'll go pray. Uh, well, it's time to eat. I'll pray. Well, it's time to get up. I'll pray. It's time to go to bed. I'll pray. Well, we have prayer meeting. I'll pray. We have these set times. Paul's not talking about those set times. Paul's saying every Christian should always be in, in a habitual spirit of prayer, always, all the time, never stopping. <laughs> Men ought always to pray. And not to faint. I got to thinking about that and I said, Lord, I never really considered prayer that much, even though Scripture constantly reminds us of that. Always pray and not faint. It's praying always, not occasionally, which keeps our hearts from fainting. Always. You remember Paul's short exhortation of First Thessalonians five, seventeen? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You say, well, preacher, how can, I can't stop what I'm doing and get on my, no, he's not talking about the manner in which we pray. He's not talking about the physical manner in which we pray. We should, listen to me, we should always have a constant, continual, habitual spirit or mind of prayer. Always, always. You say, how do I do that? I got to think about this last week and actually I, I kind of thought, well, Lord, I'm going to put this into practice and see how it works. And throughout the day at work, and even when I came home, uh, throughout the day, whenever there was a moment and I could, I wouldn't concentrate on trying to fix a sink or something, I'd, I'd, I'd try to take my heart and mind to prayer, to thinking and praying about something, whether it, whether it be for someone who needed it or whether it be for the church or whether it be for the souls of people. And I would, I would, I would cease to constantly, whenever I had the opportunity, to, to send my hearts and my thoughts up to heaven in prayer. And, and I, and I got to thinking, this, this is what Paul's talking about. You see, what we do, we deprive ourselves of the blessings of prayer when we only pray at set times. We should always, always be thinking habitually, praying unceasingly before God. You ever wonder why Paul in Colossians said we need to set our affections on heaven, on things above? Set them there. Set them there. Let them stay there. How in the world can I set my affections on heaven when I spent so much time in the world? Well, I believe part of that is by prayer. 
What's prayer do? Prayer is the closest we draw in this life to God, said the Puritan, and it's true. Prayer is what brings us into the very presence of God. So we should be constantly in a state of our heart and mind, be constantly praying in our hearts and our minds. Not physically getting on our knees or stopping what we're doing, but have that mindset of praying without ceasing. And I got to think of that in the context of which Paul speaks. Be careful for nothing. Oh, something comes up in our lives, and we have a lot of things, like I said, that would cause us to worry and care. We begin to worry and care about that. Our hearts and minds should shoot immediately to prayer. But, Lord, we know that you have all things under control. We know that all things work to the good, to good for the to those who love God. And we know that, Lord, you will perfect that which concerneth me. And we begin praying, Lord, help me against this anxiety. And, and it pray without ceasing. But in everything. Paul in Ephesians concerning the armor. Listen how Paul says it in Ephesians 6 verse 18. Praying always. There's that word again. Praying always. With all prayer. He even expounds on it. Not just praying always, but with all prayer. doesn't matter what kind of prayer. Intercessory prayer, prayer for yourself, confession of sins, whatever it might be for guidance or strength or comfort or whatever. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto, prayer, watching thereunto with all perseverance. Look how Paul puts emphasis on this. And supplication for all saints. That's how we should be praying. God's people should be consistent praying people. Not just people who have set times of prayer, but constantly, continually praying without ceasing. Constantly setting their hearts and their affections and their minds on the things above by prayer. Always lifting our hearts and our minds to the things of God in heaven. That's what Paul's saying. It's amazing how that changes your perspective of everything in life, but especially when it comes to worry and care, when we constantly turn to God, and it's habitual, we turn to God because we sense the threat of worrying and care, and we turn our hearts and our minds to God. Oh, I'll wait, and I'm going to pray about that later on this evening. Or, oh, I'm going to wait and bring that up in prayer meeting. No, I'm going to pray for it now. I'm, my mind, I'm, I am one that constantly, unceasingly prays all the time, all the time. Now, I'm not physically on my knees. I'm not in my closet like we are encouraged to do sometimes. I'm not shutting out the world. I'm not having a quiet space like the Lord would sometimes uh, depart or separate himself from the disciples and go alone and pray. It's not those times. There's set times for those. There's set times for corporate prayer. Yes, amen. But we should always, in between all those set times, be people of constant prayer. Constant prayer. All the time. You wonder why our hearts get so weighed down by the things of the world? We're not praying constantly. Oh, when we come to the house of God, we pray and we feel better after prayer meeting. Or evenings when we sit together and pray, we feel better about it. But what about those times in between? Beloved, there are many who are content with their set and appointed times of prayer or when an urgent need arises to pray. And all of these, beloved, are of themselves good and necessary. Yes, we should pray at such times like those. 
But the believer must be one who lives in a constant and habitual spirit of prayer. Try that. Listen to Paul's exhortation. But in everything by prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. There's the remedy about not worrying about nothing. He's praying. And when that happens, he said, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall deliver you from all your worry. He didn't say that. No, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And I can't wait to get to that part, because how do you explain something that uh, passes all understanding? <laughs> you can only preach that to Christians who are aware of that, who know that, who are familiar with that. And I'm telling you, 90% of believers or professing believers have no idea of what Paul's talking about. I'm telling you, this, I believe with all my heart, this manner of prayer is foreign to many believers. And I believe it's not only their own fault, but it's also the fault of the pulpit. I have never heard in 35 years the context of this preached as it should be in Scripture. Never. It's always a threat. It's always a command. It's always something. This is what you do. You pray, and they concentrate on not worrying. They concentrate on the prayer, and they concentrate on the peace of God. But they don't concentrate on the, on the divine proof that Paul is not trying to tell us or exhort us that we can be freed or delivered from all worry and care. He says, no, you're going to. That's why he says, let uh, be careful for nothing because it's a threat. But he gives us the remedy, and the remedy is keep your heart and your mind constantly in unceasing prayer so that you might know something of the peace of God which will keep your heart and your mind in the midst of a situation where you should be worrying and care. I have no need for worry or for care day by day and with each passing moment. Resting in my Father's wise bestowment. How do I do that? During my set times of prayer? No, what about the in-betweens? And, and how odd? It's in those, it's, it's, it's in those in-between times that worry and anxiety troubles us the most. Not when we've got our set times of prayer, but those in-between times. I'm telling you, uh, here's a mystery almost as mysterious as uh, the mystery of contentment, which Paul speaks of in the following verses, and that's what it is. It's a mystery of contentment. I have learned. Paul had to learn it. Who did he learn it from? God. It's not something you can just receive. Paul said, I had to learn it. I've been instructed. I've learned. I've been instructed. And every who instructed him? Who learned him? God. To be content. Content in a world where content doesn't exist. Look with me at Psalm 91. Let me show you from Scripture the evidence of a believer whose mind is constantly praying or in the presence of God in prayer. Look at Psalm 91. Because of its beauty and glory, I'm going to read the whole psalm, and I'm going to enjoy it, and I hope and pray you will. Listen to it in the light of what we've just said about Paul's exhortation against worry and care and the significance of prayer. Okay? Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place, not one that occasionally visits it, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me ask you a question. How do we dwell 
in the secret place of the Most High. Well, theologically seen in Christ, we're already there, yes. But it's by prayer. How do we dwell in that place? By prayer. How do you know that? Follow me in this psalm. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. This is those who are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. For the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only thine eyes shalt thou behold, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Beloved, the great blessings and comfort of this psalm are promised to those who, verse 1, dwell in the secret place of the Most High, where He abides under the shadow of the Almighty. How can we do that in this present life? In Christ, we're already there, yes. But you know what prayer does? Prayer makes that work efficaciously in our hearts. We are given the assurance of such a refuge by prayer. Prayer is what brings us to that assurance that we are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the all. You abide. I like that dwelling and abide. It's not someone who occasionally visits it. They abide there. They dwell there. And that's what Paul's saying. But in everything by prayer. All occasions, without ceasing, never stopping, praying constantly. Back in Philippians chapter 4. Like I said, we rob ourselves of many blessings because we set prayer for only specific times and places when the Scripture teaches us otherwise. Scripture teaches we should always be praying. Pray without ceasing. Be careful for nothing. Again, listen to the words of Paul. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, at all times, in every situation, every circumstance, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request. I like that word request. Didn't say let your cares, let your requests be made known unto God. We're humbly submitting ourselves to the sovereignty of our God. 
with prayer and supplication. They're not the same things, though they do uh, bear one another's. Uh, they're not quite the same. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Isn't it amazing how everything that happens, everything God gives us, it returns to merely the main, most important thing, namely the glory of God and thanksgiving. This glorifies God. Nothing about deliverance. No, Paul says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry, be anxious. But in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Bring them to God. Bring them to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Passes all understanding. Don't you like the wording? <laughs> it's amazing. He doesn't just simply say, in the peace of God shall keep your, the peace of God which passes all understanding, far beyond anything we can comprehend. That's the peace of God, something you can't describe. It's like tasting the Lord that he's present. How do you, how do you tell somebody what a banana tastes like? Tasting refers to something personal and intimate. Only you know what that tastes like. Johnny, let me tell you what a banana tastes like. It tastes like a... You know, a banana. You see, new babes can only desire the sincere milk of the Word, according to Peter, when once they have tasted that the Lord is precious. Check that passage of Scripture out. Only when they first taste the Lord is precious, if you have tasted that the Lord is precious, then you desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Such is the Word of God and the peace of God. And the peace of God. It didn't say deliverance from that. He said, and the peace of God. Which passes all understanding. <sighs> shall keep your hearts and minds. What is that that torments, torments us the most when we're worrying? You see people when they're worrying, they're going, oh man, I don't know what to do. I love our hearts and our minds. Our minds don't rest. We can't sleep. We're troubled. We can't rest. Our minds just constantly go and go and go. And our hearts are troubled. Oh, we're worried to where our hearts become concerned and full of anxiety and care. God says, no, this is what I want you to experience. I want you to know that when worry and care threatens you, I want you to pray without supplication and thanksgiving. Make your request name on God. I want you to know something of this peace of God that passes all understanding. I want you to know how it alone can keep your hearts and minds in the midst of everything around you. I've got peace. That's amazing. That's amazing. So please, don't let anybody tell you that Christians are commanded to live worry-free lives in this world. It's not what Paul's exhortation is. Like I said, every word of God is commandment. But Paul's given us a remedy against worry and care. He's not telling us we can be free from in this life. Sweet hour of prayer. Man, that helps me in this world of care, day by day and with each passing moment. No, we ourselves are witnesses and we ourselves in our own hearts and lives can testify as believers 
that worry and care is a continual threat to even the greatest of saints. We're not going to be free from it in this world, in this present life. One day, yes. All worry and care shall be passed away. One look is his dear face. Uh, all sorrows shall erase when we shall see Jesus. But until then, God's given us something more amazing than deliverance. He's given us a peace, his peace, which passes all understanding. And to know the comforts of it, uh, giving our hearts and our minds protection and comfort and sweet consolation. Amen. Even in that prayer, and even in that hymn, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share. Mm. God give us grace to know more of this. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you now, Lord, for thy word, and we do pray that you would help us as thy children to know something more of it. May we, by your grace, follow Paul's exhortation, and in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God in the hour of worry and anxiety that we might know something of the peace of God which passes all understanding, which alone can keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. What a glorious Savior. What a wonderful work of salvation He has wrought for us. May we enjoy the blessings of it in a greater magnitude as we've ever done before, Father. We love you. And we praise you and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.